You're listening to AW360, a podcast from Advertising Week. Recorded in studio and live at Advertising Week's global events, AW360 features thought leadership conversations with the best and the brightest in the advertising, marketing, and technologies industries each and every week. If you enjoy AW360, we'd appreciate it if you took the time to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and maybe even leave a positive review. Thanks for listening. Reese, welcome to the show. I'm so pleased to have you on today. Thanks for having me, Richard. So you're Chief Solutions Officer at Precise. Tell us about Precise and what you do there. Absolutely. So Precise is a data-driven digital marketing agency founded in Sweden, but now operating um, across all of Europe as well as, as North America. We manage media buying. We work with uh, data, technology, analytics, as well as digital creatives. So pretty much the whole spectrum of what you'd expect within digital growth and, and digital media buying. My role as Chief Solutions Officer is mainly focused on the data analytics and technology part of our business, uh, running our services and products in that space. Excellent. Well, a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is marketing ethics, which I'm very curious about because it's one of those things that we're seeing more and more of, or at least I have been over time. You've probably been knee deep in it for much longer than I've even known it existed. But Give us a high-level view of marketing ethics and what that means and how you define it at Precise. Absolutely. So working in the in the analytics space, as I do, I've always been quite close to the, the privacy conversation. And that privacy uh, topic has been growing and growing over the, over the last kind of decade, especially with the emergence of, of a lot of legislation over the last six to seven years. And with marketing ethics, we it all started with that that privacy conversation, which triggered a lot of reflection in our industry about what we were doing, um, the transparency within the industry, uh, the way that things work, the fact that technology often evolves much much faster than society or legislators can can really understand. And before you know it, things are happening online and within the digital marketing e- ecosystem that some people were not entirely comfortable with. Um, hence the advent of, of all the all the legislation and, and technological changes that we've seen, especially in the privacy space in recent years. But mark, with marketing ethics, we wanted to go a bit broader. We wanted to we took that privacy conversation, reflected on it, and we thought, well, if privacy is causing this much disruption and, and revolution in our industry, and it's shining a light on on practices that that people didn't even really know existed, what other topics are there within? digital advertising that we really need to reflect on and consider to get ahead of the curve, things that might be ethical issues or um, issues with the way that the industry operates that that might come to the fore also in the future. So we really took uh, the sort of beginning of privacy and wrapped it up into this much larger topic of, of what we call marketing ethics. It might be called different things in, in other places throughout the industry, but we, we call it marketing ethics. It's basically the collection of all the different ethical considerations that we believe are important within our industry. And so at Precise, you must gather a lot of industry insights and data for things like your marketing ethics surveys. What kind of data are you gathering? And can you tell us about some of you know, your more recent findings? Yes. So we've, we've done quite a lot of research on on the topic. We, we wanted to, to do a couple of things, really. We when setting out with marketing ethics, we wanted to set a, a, a kind of a North Star, uh, something that we believe that everybody could agree with, 
Um, and that really is centering around the mantra to make marketing a better experience for everybody. But of course, that means a lot of different things to different people. Most people would say they, they agree they want to make marketing better. Consumers want marketing to be better. Advertisers want the experience to be, to be great for their users. But once you start digging into it, it can mean a, a myriad, myriad of different things. At Precis, we define it around a few different pillars, which are privacy, which we touched on at the beginning, transparency in the industry, user experience, and inclusivity and representation. And we wanted with our with our research to do a couple of things, which are, first of all, to validate, are we actually on the right track? Are we doing the right things ourselves? Are we asking the right questions? Are we putting the right initiatives forward as an agency to help the advertisers that we work with uh, do the best for their customers? And then secondly, was to take more inspiration about what the industry cares about, what people care about within this topic. So we... we um, we ourselves commissioned a couple of different surveys over the last two years, uh, one towards the industry and one towards consumers. And the findings were super interesting because it shows that people really care about this issue. It really hits home for a lot of people, both on the industry side and on the consumer side. But at the same time, it throws up all sorts of, of, of complications and, and, and it shows that it's, it's a topic that's not easy to get right. On the industry side, it's not easy to do the right things all the time. Businesses struggle to actually follow through on the commitments they aspire towards. And on the consumer side, people care a lot about this issue because it's so difficult to understand the digital marketing ecosystem and all the tech behind it. It's really hard for consumers to have a clear picture of what they expect from businesses. So just to give a few examples of the, of the data that we uncovered on the industry side, we found that about 79% of marketing leaders agreed that focusing on consumer welfare was going to drive growth in the next five to 10 years. And 76% of them made marketing ethics, as we defined it, a high or critical priority for their organization. So that's really great. It's really positive. It shows that businesses care a lot about this stuff. Yeah. But once you dig into it and start asking questions about the actual steps they're taking, you find that they're really struggling. So you know, for example, just a couple of quick ones, which is that over 60% of the business answering the survey struggle to use data ethically. And again, over 60% struggle to, for example, reduce bias within the models they use, again, which is a, an ethical issue. Um, so it's very, very hard to follow through on these commitments. I find all of this incredibly fascinating. If you don't mind my asking, on the consumer side, do you find that, you know, you have a large percentage of people who care about it or claim to care about it, but is there specific things that they care more about than other things? And I guess the reason I ask this is one of the things that I've noticed personally in the industry and just as being a consumer who knows other consumers, as we all do, it feels like some of us really don't want to be tracked around the Internet, for example. And then there's others of us who don't mind that at all, that the convenience of you know somebody knowing my shopping history between platforms and between my television to my, you know, my phone to my computer is, is no big deal. How granular is the the study that you did in terms of things like that? Is there, you know, I realize you, you know, came to an overall percentage, but do you break that down to figure out, you know, generationally or demographically who wants what and maybe even why they'd want that? You're absolutely right. On on the consumer side, we see a big gulf in in the, in the things that people care about. And part of the purpose of the consumer survey was really to drill into those to those questions. You know, what do people actually care about? And also, <clears throat> how good is people's understanding of this area? So there were a few topics that came through quite loud and clear. 
where there wasn't too much division in opinion. So you know, a majority, 65%, said that when buying for a brand, they think it's important that the brand values their, their privacy. Um, and that's, again, a relatively easy statement to agree with, I guess. Mm-hmm. But then when you drill into it, there are, there are lots of places where you see a lot of division. So one of the questions we asked was, do you see any benefit to, to sharing your data with brands? And about 57% of people said they see little to no benefit of sharing their data. The flip side of that, of course, is that there are 43% who do see some benefit to sharing their data with brands. And really, people's perception of this probably comes down to a, to whole, a whole bunch of things, including their individual priorities and, and politics and, and views on, on how this all works. Uh, and part of it then comes down to maybe which brands they're actually engaging with and, and how good a, how those brands are at communicating and how they use data and being responsible with it. You also see some some misconceptions. Um, we asked, for example, one question about whether people believe that their their phone listens to what they're saying in conversation and then uses that data for digital advertising. And I can tell you, as someone who works in a in a media buying agency uh, with all the different media buying platforms and the targeting options that they offer, that I'm pretty certain that there is not uh, an always on listening device on your phone listening to what you say and then using it for ad targeting, but. 46% of people uh, worry that, that that is in fact the case and their phones are listening to them. Wow. Um, so exactly. So there's a lot of, you know, kind of paranoia and, and people understand, are starting to understand this stuff more, but it's still such a complex topic that people don't really understand it. And then, of course, it's very natural that they, they assume the worst of brands and of technology companies that are running online advertising. And it's not a very good starting point in terms of trust. Wow, that's that's a really high percentage. I would not have guessed that. Exactly. So, you know, when, when you're working with different advertisers, you know, on this sort of thing, how do you work marketing ethics into their marketing mix? Marketing ethics, it's, um, it can be a very broad topic to tackle. So first and foremost, I think it really helps to, to break it down into these different work streams and also to frame it in terms of the, you know, the, the goals and the business outcomes that you want to get to, because Again, many businesses will agree that they want to to do right by their customer. They want to do the right thing and they want to act in an ethical way. But it really helps to be able to translate that into something that really connects to the business purpose as well. Um, And I think one of those things that really resonates with businesses when we talk about the broad topic of marketing ethics is is building trust with customers. Um, And that topic in the stat that we saw earlier, that the businesses really believe that building that trust will have an impact on their their growth and, and their consumer sentiment towards them in the long term. Um, and I think then when it comes to, to working with, with these topics around marketing ethics in practice, there are two kind of major things to tackle. One is the organizational side. Many of these um, topics around marketing ethics require a, a whole bunch of people within 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 an organization, cross-functional stakeholders to work together to make it happen. It can rarely be achieved by one department alone or one part of the business alone. And more often than not, it really requires some kind of pushing from the C-suite to get there. And, and the reason for that is because as soon as you start thinking about these ethical commitments, they usually come with some consideration or, or trade-off um, within the business because a lot of the the topics we're talking about, let's just take privacy as an example, a really simple example, require the business to change how they operate in order to adapt to the future of, of operating in a more transparent and ethical way. So if you take privacy seriously, then you're usually thinking about user consent to gather data. And if you do consent properly, you're 
your opt-in rates are probably going to go down. And if your opt-in rates go down, you're, you're collecting less data. So it's very easy to say as a business, we want to do privacy well and, and to respect users' consent choices. But then when you're faced with a, I don't know, 50% fall off in the data that you're able to collect, you know, it can spook some people and, and make the topic much harder to actually get done because people are hesitant to, to let go of all that data they used to be collecting and the, and the traditional ways of operating. Um, I think, you know, from an organizational perspective, the ones who are most able to, to make this change, this kind of cultural change, are the ones who are able to turn, you know, trust, user trust, privacy, these kind of ethical initiatives into uh, selling points and into things they can communicate to their customers. To take a very, very obvious example, look at how, for example, Apple, uh, you know, makes privacy into a, a key selling point for the iPhone. Um, then you have the pra more practical things, you know, how you actually adapt your ways of working and your, your kind of technical execution in online marketing to, 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 a, you know, to, a, to a more ethical way of working, to a more privacy first way of working, depending on which way, you, which way you're approaching it. And to take here a basic example with, with privacy, um, historically, a lot of digital advertising, particularly performance advertising, has relied upon collecting as much data as possible. And really, you know, collecting as much first party and, and, and user data and customer data as possible. And, you know, especially through the mid 2010s, we had a big trend for, for very, very, for example, granular audience targeting. It was, a, it was a really popular thing to talk about that you could, for example, serve the exact right creative to the right person at the right time by collecting the minutiae of people's activities and all sorts of attributes about them. Um, and that, that was a really, really common narrative, um, you know, in, in the mid 2010s, for example. Um, and that's, of course, started to become much less prevalent now with, with new legislation, new limitations on technology. But as an advertiser, you have to adapt. You know, how do you use data in, a, in an impactful way if you don't want to go down this route of really I don't know, granular you know, audience targeting, for example? And there are many, many ways that you can make good use of data you know, without being quite so uh, invasive to people's privacy. And um, I mean, just one simple example is you can look within your business at the sort of data you sit on that's actually not personal data at all and how it can add value to your campaigns. Um, super simple example would be um, to look at your uh, profitability margins rather than your revenue and to think, okay, if my goal as a business this year is profitability, maybe I should be sending uh, profit margin signals to the, the, the platforms where we buy media uh, as a conversion signal rather than revenue. And that's a really simple way to make a big impact on your your platform performance, your bidding, aligning it towards your business goals without having to dive into all sorts of you know personal data and personal attributes to achieve it. What sorts of trends on the consumer side have you seen in recent years that require sort of a reimagining of digital marketing's role? And these could be, you know, consumer buying trends, they could be just overall societal trends, or maybe, you know, a little bit of both. There's a lot happening at the moment, and it's it's going to be, I think, a really eventful um, 2024 in this space, the, the broader ethics space, but especially the, the, the privacy space. Um, there's a few trends happening that, that are affecting uh, consumers and, uh, and the industry in, in, in kind of equal measure, I would say. Um, I think one of the emerging things that's really, really interesting is the, the idea of a kind of multi-speed internet. Um, we have multiple things now that are causing quite a lot of fragmentation um, on the internet and online and in the online environment. So for example, the rise of, 
of, uh, of privacy legislation. We have different privacy legislation in all the different regions, the GDPR in Europe, the CCPA in California, LGPD in, in Brazil, for example. And, and all of these requirements mean that the consumer experience, consumer rights, and the way that businesses have to operate is different uh, across the globe now. And similarly with technology, if you're someone who uses the Apple ecosystem, your experience and engagement and the way your data is treated is going to be very different to if you're in the Google environment. So your consumer experience is going to be a little bit different and the kind of expectations and relationships that you have with regards to data privacy will be will be different. And if you're an advertiser, you really have to learn how to operate with these two entirely different ecosystems and functionalities that they have where you know Apple is limiting a lot of uh, what you can measure and, and how you can target and has even been building their own um, sort of standards for how that's done with things like SK ad network and private click measurement, um, which they're trying to kind of push as, as, as industry standards almost. But then you have Google building their, their privacy sandbox in Chrome, you know, trying to maintain a lot of functionality that digital advertisers are used to, but using more modern approaches rather than cookies. Um, and then that's going to be extended even further when uh, there's a new piece of legislation, the, the DMA, the Digital Marketing Act, that's coming into force in, in March of next year. And that's going to have some really interesting impacts on how users experience uh, online advertising, but also, again, how advertisers are going to have to react. So already you see, uh, again, on the topic of two-speed internet, that different companies taking really different approaches here where Google are kind of doubling down on the consent narrative, trying to maximize the amount of consented data that can be collected through their consent mode uh, product. And then you have Meta, which um, many people will have seen in the news in the last few weeks who announced they'll, they'll be offering a ad-free subscription to some of their products like Instagram and Facebook. Um, and then if you go for the free version of the product, you consent basically to, to target online advertising. And that, that's a, a really, really interesting debate for consumers uh, who it really makes consumers, I think, examine the relationship they have with some of these online platforms. We're very used to receiving things for free uh, with an ad-supported model, you know, a free ad-supported internet, as, as some companies would, would phrase it. Um, but there's never been the choice to buy uh, Instagram or, or Facebook. We have no idea what these products should cost. Uh, we have no idea if people would prefer to pay for them um, instead of uh, opting into um, targeted advertising. And then there are some organizations that would say, but that's a completely unfair thing, choice to force consumers to make, that digital privacy is a right. You should not have to either pay for a product or choose to have your, your data used for targeting. You should have the option to you know, use the product for free um, and not have targeting. So So it's a very interesting debate about the, the kind of value exchange that we've taken for granted online for a very long time. So many things for marketers to consider. And actually, I mean, so many things for consumers to consider because, you know, the, the dollar is finite or the pound or, you know, wherever you are. When it comes to various ad organizations building strategies, how can they go about building those strategies with marketing ethics at heart, especially with all of these different considerations that you've outlined. And God forbid we ever get a third phone platform. We're all, <laughs> we're all screwed at that point. But, you know, what is the first step? And then, you know, how do you follow through? Or how do you see them following through? So for advertisers, it's a really interesting time. There's so much going on in this space. And 
the very first thing that they need to do in order to tackle the whole topic of, of marketing ethics, as well as the developments in this industry, is just to understand what's going on. Um, and, and there's two aspects to that. The first is to understand the evolution in consumer and customer uh, expectations, what customers want from brands now with regards to transparency, uh, ethical behaviors, uh, data privacy. These attitudes are all evolving very, very rapidly um, as new legislation comes out, as technological changes happen from you know, companies like Apple releasing new features. The, the expectations are, are changing all the time. And so, so brands really need to be on top of what they're communicating, how they communicate their position with regards to things like data privacy. And there is a real risk if, if brands ignore this and just operate in the same old ways as before that they're going to be overtaken by companies who are more forward-thinking, able to communicate this stuff very clearly, and who are able to build that really strong relationship, that really strong trust, which you know might also result in in customers being more willing to, for example, share data, which which can can result in a competitive advantage if these cust- if these brands are able to build that better relationship founded on trust with their customers to really make the value exchange clear with all of these different kind of elements that go into the, the the digital marketing exchange. The second thing to understand is what's actually happening with the technology that they're working with day-to-day to buy media online. Because the evolutions that have happened in our in our industry, just just to take privacy as an example, have caused really seismic effects on on the platforms that we use. I mean the ground is literally shifting beneath advertisers' feet. And what's really interesting is that the ad platforms, so take Google and Meta, as examples, they're really trying to, to keep the experience, you know, as advertisers have been used to over the last decade. So if you go and log into your, your media buying platform, everything looks, you know, relatively as normal. You see your, your clicks, your impressions, you see your, um, you see your conversions and everything else and, and, and everything kind of looks okay. But what's happening, just to give one example under the surface, is that because of uh, the growth in privacy tech and legislation, the amount of data being collected is, of course, lower than it was before. There's more gaps in it. It's more fragmented. And the way that the platforms have compensated for that is by building in modeling into the platform. So by using you know, machine learning, artificial intelligence, uh, platforms like Google and Facebook can try to fill in the gaps that are missing due to privacy. Now, on the one hand, this can be extremely useful. It can help advertisers to get a more complete picture of what's really going on. You know, I, I do believe that modeling is a very fundamental and useful feature in a world where we can't collect and shouldn't collect every single piece of data that we can. But of course, the flip side to that is that if you log into, you know, just for example, your Google ads interface now and look at your conversions, um, it's very hard to know how many of those conversions were, were actually observed versus modeled. And it's very hard to know which of them were observed and which ones were modeled. Uh, and furthermore, of course, you the model that's actually being used to, to calculate the total is is a black box model. It's owned and operated by Google. Advertisers can't really know how it's working. So it's really, really important that the advertisers know this and they actually develop strategies to navigate it. Um, so for example, by maybe verifying you know, what they believe their conversion data and their ad performance data can look like using multiple sources rather than just depending on one, because every model, of course, is going to give you a slightly different outcome. So you might need to start triangulating a picture of performance rather than putting all your eggs in one basket. So that really is it in a nutshell, I think, is that advertisers need to zoom in on the 
the consumer trends, you know, mm. what are customers thinking and expecting, and then what's happening in the industry uh, and how the platforms are, are shifting. And, and there's so much change so quickly, so much going on that just understanding it really well and actually building strategies within the business that try to connect these things to business outcomes and to user experience, that foundation of trust um, are going to be really, really key to succeed in the next few years. Amazing. Well, Reese, this is all incredibly interesting. If people wanted to find out more about you and Proceeds, where would they go? They can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Reese Cater. And they can find Proceeds at ProceedsDigital.com, uh, where we've also published the results of the marketing ethics surveys that we've run. And I really hope that people want to find out more. I hope that people want to engage in the conversation, because um, I think we all, as, uh, as people operating in this space, have a responsibility to to add our voices, to, to speak as advertisers about our expectations and how we want to make this industry change for the better. And without a collective approach to that, it's, it's going to be really, really hard to affect change. I could not agree with you more. Well, thank you for taking the time to be on the show today. This has been fascinating. Thanks a lot for having me, Richard. It was, uh, it was great. Thanks for listening to AW360. For more podcasts like this one, be sure to check out Advertising Week's ever-growing roster of podcasts for the advertising, marketing, and technology industries, including our flagship podcast, Great Minds. You can find those at www.advertisingweek.com slash podcasts.